Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers, a podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week. This week, we've got Japanese eggplant with a black bean sauce. Mm Mm-hmm. And it looks like meat. It's, it's delicious looking. Delicious, I can't yeah. wait to try it. Anyway, we're here with Chef Rick Orlando once again. He joined us on episode 35, and he's back to talk about farmer's markets with us. Hi. Hi. Farmer's markets, yes. Farmers what shall we market. talk about? So, well, my first question had to do with you can get garlic or you can get garlic scapes. And I find that I'm not necessarily, personally, I'm not going to chop up garlic and put it in a salad, but I'll cut up garlic scapes and put them in a salad. So are there other ingredients that maybe come from the same plant, but can be used in different ways and help their flavors to meld with whatever dish you're making better? Hmm. Well, garlic uh, is fun because you plant it in the fall and after the, you know, around before Thanksgiving, before the ground freezes and you get different things from it. So I planted about 150 cloves of garlic and in a patch, I mean, about the size of this counter here, you know, just rows tight. And in late April, early May, the ones that are kind of smaller and not really coming up, we pull those and call that green garlic. Hmm. And you can slice that up and just throw it in stir fries. It's hmm. kind of like a scallion meets a garlic at that point. It's more tender, not as pungent. And then by mid-June, late late May, mid-June, depending on the season, everything was really slow this year. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like slow motion. Here comes the garlic. <laughs> Um, the flower that grows the seeds comes up on the hard stem and curls around. That's the garlic scape. If you don't cut that off, your cloves won't get big because the energy of the plant will go all to the flower, the garlic seed, they call that. So we cut garlic scapes and slice them up against the grain, throw them in salads, pickle them, make pestos out of them, um, all kinds of fun stuff. And then right about now, I think my garlic, probably another week or two, I'm ready to pull it and it'll be pulled and, and ready to go. So you get three stages of garlic. The green garlic, then the garlic scape, then the garlic cloves. Wow. And the garlic cloves are, you know. Green garlic. Yeah, green garlic's baby garlic. I'm like a green onion, but it's a garlic. Yep. Hmm. So I have a question about farmers markets. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a new farmers market, what are you looking for to see is this a quality farmers market that I'll come back to? Well, that's a funny question. I mean, to me farmers markets have become like the new mall. Yeah. You know, There's 20 years ago, you brought your time. kids to the mall on Saturday and you got serious about something and they ran around and played games. That kind of is what happens at a lot of farmer's markets now. Families are out. It's a very cool thing. Um, the, I go to a handful of farmer's markets. You know, I, my life's a little different because I have access to wholesale and I actually mm-hmm. go to the farms a lot. But I do go to farmer's markets. I actually do at the Kuxaki Farmer's Market. Um, I'll be there August 2nd, and then later on in the month, uh, doing events for them. Uh, it's a Wednesday farmer's market, which is really cool for me because chefs can't do anything on Saturday. It's not <laughs> the question. But what I look for in farmer's markets is people that look back and talk to you, communicate with you. Because sometimes, I mean, listen, I know farmers can be like anybody else. Some of them yeah. have personalities and some of them don't. <laughs> um, some so, of them just want you to buy the food and get yeah, the Yeah, they're just out not of. in the mood. Or, or they send some kid that's not really connected right. to the product and can't answer questions. So I like people that can communicate and talk and, and give me feedback. Um, and variety is good, you know. Um, and just like a, a good, I sound really corny, a good vibe, you know. Um, I like going to the Saugerties Farmer's Market. It's small. It's a Saturday afternoon. Um, but people are, 
they're into it. You know, it, there's a little music going on. It's a good vibe. Um, Woodstock has this great one on Wednesdays. It's a Woodstock Farm Festival, they call it, because everything in Woodstock is a festival. <laughs> I woke up this morning. It was my waking festival. It was fabulous. Waking festival. <laughs> but but, but um, they have, you know, they also have music and food vendors. So there's more than just people selling food. What I do like to see, though, is fresh local stuff at the farmer's markets. And sometimes you get to the point where there's a lot of packaged stuff and it becomes like a small supermarket. But even that's cool. Just getting people out. It's a much more of a European thing, right? Getting yeah. people out into an environment where they're buying stuff to eat and cook. They're not grocery shopping for a month <laughs> um, with, the, you know, 7,000 rolls of toilet paper on the caravan of shopping carts. You know, they're oh, driving, just buying just the right amount of stuff. And I think that's very cool. I didn't really answer your question, but I went off. That's <laughs> I was going to say something about the store-bought things. Mm-hmm. I'd been to a farmer's market in the Albany area that had UPC sticker codes on all the veggies and fruits and everything. And I, I was very confused. I didn't realize that was a thing, <laughs> that people actually well, could do that. Well, I think that that's okay if that's how they're... See, some of these farmers that are at farmer's markets are not mom and pop with an acre of tomatoes. They've got fair amount. Some of the Cobleskill Farms, Black Horse, they're pretty big, but they still have presence at farmer's markets, so they're trying to just do some inventory tracking because they may have 300 cases of tomatoes going to seven farmer's markets. It's still a usually a human being-owned farmer's thing, you know, <laughs> but they're a little bigger than the others. And uh, like the Carrot Barn or I know Black Horse in, in Athens, who are good friends of mine, they're out there, you know, and they and it's good. They participate in a lot of farmers markets. It is great for local agriculture for people to be able to raise produce and sell it at a retail price. Because in the past, and my family did this when they came from Italy, they were truck farmers. They raised tomatoes and whatever peppers and eggplant, and they had to sell it at wholesale. So they made nickels or pennies per pound. Mm-hmm. So they had to grow a lot of the same thing to make any money. When you're selling it at retail your profit margin is much different. You have to man the stand, you have to set it up, you have to you know, staff it, but there's tons of volunteers and people do it for cheap because it's part of feeling like they're involved with life, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. But the profit margin is very different on retail, so it's great for smallish and medium-sized farms to be able to sell a larger percentage direct to the consumer because they're getting a lot more money back on that. We're like, I'm not going to pay $5 a pound for an heirloom tomato in a restaurant because then I have to sell it again. And I've got to keep my margins down. So I work with a lot of the small farms and say, listen, you go out to the farmer's market, you do the best you can, and whatever you have left over, come see me and I'll make a bid on it. And then I have to process it again and sell it. Um, It also works well for restaurants because a lot of the stuff that is on the farmer's market stands has to be picture perfect. You don't want a dented zucchini. (laughs) I'm in a restaurant. I'm fine with dented zucchini. I'm making, you know, ratatouille out of that. You know, I'm going to process it all. So I know that, you know, farmers will take the best looking stuff and bring it to the farmer's market. And and sometimes they'll they'll have number twos on the side. You'll see like near the end of the day, half price, you know, get the ugly (laughs) eggplant. But uh, for restaurants and chefs who process food, if it's fresh and beautiful, if it's fresh, it's beautiful. It doesn't have to be perfect. And I feel that way about all things, you know. They are starting to get that ugly food movement going a little bit though you can see even grocery stores now are putting like the ugly ones together or something and trying to sell them yeah because it's really difficult uh one of my waiters actually is um, a produce manager for Shoprite, and he said like you know the produce the criteria they have to meet it has to be like four levels high all day long they just keep stocking keep stocking keep stocking and you know when you go to europe 
it's like when you get down to the last, you go to a farmer's market, there's only 12 tomatoes. You're like, yes, I'm at a good farmer's market now. <laughs> it's only one guy and that's all they have. You know, when it's gone, it's gone. So it's a very different approach. Now we have the abundance mentality. Yeah. Which is sad because a lot of it gets thrown out. Oh, yeah, that's why I like the ugly yeah. food movement because yeah. they give them more of a chance I'm to be all, eaten than, rather than the sitting there. Good. Yeah. Not only that, when you think about the bigger picture of hunger, even in just America alone, there are so many people who don't have nutritious food to eat and then there's so much food even from grocery stores that gets thrown in the garbage that maybe is ugly, right? Right. It's just so much more to that. Well, I think that one of the things that would be a really important um, educational approach is going back to home ec and teaching people, kids in their young teens about that because I've done a few programs through the state of New York where I've gone and had you know, mothers on WIC and try to teach them how to cook food and talk about the ugly food. And it, it's not, they're not interested really because mm-hmm. it's ugly and they, they have a preconceived notion that mm-hmm. that's bad. And I'm like, look, our grandparents grew up to be really big and strong, <laughs> eating yeah. wilted greens and a piece of pig foot. And, you know, you can <laughs> do that, you know, um, and you can do that for like 80 cents, you know. Yeah. So I think kids need to learn. And, I th- and, I, and I'm very enlightened that I think more and more kids are learning that now. They're learning more about how, where food comes from why it's good, why it doesn't have to have like a big red sticker on it and be, you know, we actually participate at New World Bistro Bar right around the corner from us at Delaware School there. We have um, a little farm, a little uh, like garden, community yeah, garden. Community. And, and we help, we donate to that and help the kids learn how to grow their own stuff. And they, they learn that dirt is good and worms are good and <laughs> <laughs> wormholes in the greens are okay, you know. Yeah. A lot so. of uh, kids' books still have those worms and the apples. I don't know where that oh, became yeah. bad. A couple <laughs> years later, I guess, they grow out of that. Yeah. I like worms and apples. That means they weren't sprayed. Yes. I have a question about There's a farmer's market I go to in Vermont where my um, wife's family has property. And they, there's one farm up there. I forget which one it is. But they have these amazing pieces of chicken teriyaki on sticks. And I'm just thinking, what kind of – is there like a certain chicken that would be best for that and a way to – the way you would flavor like a chicken teriyaki, because I just want to <laughs> with that. I'm going to Vermont. I'm thinking of like envisioning a Vermont farmers market and the silo and the sunset. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's right next to a river. And there's a, there's actually a mill teriyaki right sticks. Um, do, they, do they sell chicken also? I don't think so. Oh, so it's more like vendor. a store. Yeah. yeah. So they can buy the chicken at Sam's Club. I mean, you know. Yeah. I, I hope not. I mean, <laughs> they are a farm, but I don't know. I guess. Yeah. They do I mean, I, like I'm that. a big fan for me of of dark meat thighs are the best for that because breasts tend to dry out but yeah you know you're doing teriyaki you can make anything taste good because you're doing <laughs> soy and pineapple and ginger and sugar and you know you've got all these salty sweet yumminess on it so um, is that kind of like the idea with this uh not to mi- hide the eggplant but do you like dress up the eggplant a little bit with mm-hmm. the black bean sauce yeah did you try these are the eggplant meatballs those are meatballs made vegetarian with eggplant instead of meat those come from my sicilian grandmother who Raised 11 kids and was 4'10 and, <laughs> you know, made balls out of everything. Why these little Italian ladies make things into balls? They do, but it makes everybody <laughs> happy. So she would take zucchini or eggplant or whatever and boil it and mix it with bread and garlic and cheese and, and form balls and fry it and throw it in sauce. And I started messing around with that because I saw Mario Batali do it on TV a few years ago. And I said, you know, we had those as kids, but we didn't roast it. So I began researching the... Sicilian style, and they actually boil the eggplant so it gets really tender, then you squeeze it out. But they are awesome. That is like eating the best eggplant parm, 
but in the meatball format. And they're really popular. We sold them at the Honest Weight Food Co-op for almost a year and then kind of got out of that end of the business. We may get back into it. It's a lot of pack and ship, which is not my forte, really. Um, trying to keep shelves stocked with a prepared food item if it was in another life, maybe. But um, <laughs> but they're dynamite, and they're really popular in both restaurants. And like at the Saugerties Garlic Festival, we sell them, and I think we sold well over a 1,000 orders of eggplant balls on a Saturday. People just, mm-hmm. Very good. Right? Old school. That's very old school. <laughs> New world goes old world, you know? Actually approves. It's like chicken parm ball, but eggplant parm ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I remember when I was a kid, my grandmother would make eggplant parm and the seeds of the eggplant would gross me out. I was like, ooh, <laughs> why? And then I was a teenager and I discovered baba ganoush. I was working in a, like a Middle Eastern kind of deli. I fell in love with baba ganoush long before. I don't know if I've ever had baba ganoush. Basically eggplant hummus, you know. It's tahini and eggplant. Some bread or some little Mm. little pita crackers. Mm. So good. Yep. I have a lot to try still. As they say, it's a schmear. It's a fine schmear. (laughs) All right. So Ashley's got to hit the road soon. Do you have any uh, funny stories to end us on? Well, I have lots of funny stories. Yeah. What kind of funny story do you want? I just, um, I have an ironic story. I just came back from a week in Rincon, Puerto Rico. With my family, nice. which was actually cheaper than going to the Cape, we figured out. <laughs> we got air flights for two forty and a three bedroom Airbnb for like. Where do you go in the Cape night. when you go out there? Oh, we go all over. We go, you know, P town usually, yeah, but yeah, we go to Ver- uh, Delaware a lot, also Connecticut. But it was it was my son said, let's go to Puerto Rico, and we budgeted it out. It was less money, but anyway, right before I went, the day before, I did an event for Molly O'Neill. The and you know famous cookbook writer was having a retreat at her place in Rensselaerville, and as I was about to leave, these oak banquettes that we have at the restaurant, something got moved and hit and hit me in the back of the leg, right on the top of my calf, and knocked me to the ground like, like a Charlie horse, like you couldn't believe. Popped up, and I made went to Molly O'Neill's longhouse, and made the initial opening night dinner for this retreat. I did a southern shrimp boil down outside over fire, up and down the stairs all day. It was so much fun. And then the next day, flew to Puerto Rico, and by the time I got off the airplane, my left calf was the size (laughs) of a a Virginia ham. It was so big. So I got to spend probably a third of my vacation in and out of clinics and hospitals. They kept me in the hospital for about 14 hours, and it was really cool. You know what was really (laughs) cool about the difference between going to PR and here? Doctors the same. Doctors are great. They talk to you calls me up afterwards how's it going you know when we'll go out to dinner soon really great but i went to the emergency room and they said do you have insurance i said yeah and looked at my car as well we don't take that there it's going to be 100 dollars." <laughs> i was like okay and that was it <laughs> wow 100 bucks go to the hospital so that was profound um yeah yeah, no copay. That no, wasn't the copay. That wasn't the copay. That was like hundred bucks. <laughs> ambulance? How much ambulance? Oh, I don't hate to tell you this, but it's forty dollars. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> we only take cash. I'm like, good. Here's forty bucks. <laughs> I I got an ambulance uh, a few years ago. I, I I just got dehydrated and had to go to the hospital. It was about four years ago, and I, on my insurance, it was like twelve hundred bucks for an ambulance yeah, ride. Ridiculous. So like forty bucks. I'm like. Dude. I'll take it. Food, can I take this around the, the island? The ringtone was killer. We ate a lot of what they call comida tipica, which is the local food. There's food trucks everywhere and food booths and food stalls and an awesome farmer's market in Rincon. We met people from Woodstock, go figure. But there's a farmer's market. Rincon is kind of like the surfer, expat hangout area of Puerto Rico. Um, but yeah, we, we had a good time. So my, that was my adventure in Puerto Rico. And look at the size of my leg. It's still huge. I have... Uh, a hematoma in there about the size oh of a mango. Gosh. Yeah. 
Well, they you ask you, did you smuggle you anything in your leg on the you way down? people you were working out. Well, my other leg is pretty impressive, but this one is frightening. <laughs> so that was my funny story of the day as I spent my life in Puerto Rico. And the doctor said, well, you just stay off it, but you have to go on the water. I'm like, yeah, I do. He goes, well, go on the water. But we were staying up like a half a block from the beach. so Yeah, can't let it ruin it totally. No, all good. I'm all right. solid as a rock. Well, keep yourself healthy till next time, right? I am Wolverine. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> no, Wolverine died in the last movie. I'm not Wolverine. <laughs> Pick another one. Yeah. The old Wolverine from the first movie. Yeah, the old Wolverine. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Thanks. Yeah. That was Chef Rick Orlando. Find him at rickorlando.com. That's R-I-C Orlando.com. This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Jim Laboulis. Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood. Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge.